0: welcome to the show everyone this week we are starting to stream on Streamyard, and uh, if our technician has all the technology right how we doing so far i mean i think so far so good we'll see all right so then this way people can watch us on the old um white no youtube sorry
1: the what the white what <laughs> Oh my God, let me get my glasses whenever, on that In the
0: comments, like whenever I put about um, white people, I spell it Y-T because otherwise they filter you out. <laughs> and so they're always the old white men are like, what's this YouTube people? <clears throat> but anyway, so I would like to start today's episode off with a question for you both as we dive into the headlines, because here's something I heard this week um, that I learned about. But it is not PG. So if anyone's got their kids listening, fair warning.
1: All right, give them a second. Okay.
0: Uh, What did you learn? Misa, are you ready? You've you've been pottering around a little bit. Are you now ready to start?
1: Okay. I'm trying to fix my lighting. I think it's better.
0: All right. Problem is, not everyone's blessed with these television looks. So I think... (laughs) um,
1: I thought, um, you have to tell Amin in a minute about all the comments you got in about, like, living in your mom's basement.
0: Well, <laughs> well, first of all, I wasn't going to share any of these, but.
1: And if you uh, knew what a comb was.
0: Yeah, my haters be hating.
1: They be hating, baby.
0: Um, so do you guys know what soaking is, especially on university campuses? And I'll keep giving you clues.
1: Soaking. Not at all. On a university campus, mhm, is it alcohol related? That's what I'm thinking. Nope, no mm-hmm. oh well then i I have no idea.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel that's like okay.
1: it's gonna be something really bad,
0: okay. <laughs> it happens mainly on Mormon university campuses.
1: Oh, I really I'm out multiple wives, something like that. Wow, well, I, oh, I think
0: that's, that's a bit prejudiced, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Sorry, Mormons.
0: So because, according to their faith beliefs, they're not allowed to have premarital sex,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what they, uh, what people sometimes engage in who are following these practices is inserting it and leaving it in there to soak without any movement. Because apparently that is a loophole.
1: But is that not... Wait, let me wrap my head around this, and I want to try to be as PG as possible. Like, so they... A couple Mm -mm. will engage in just the entry. Yes. But they don't move.
0: Kind of like, oh, I accidentally fell and slipped into your vajayjay.
1: (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) if you can say that. But anyway, so then they don't move?
0: No. However, you can take it a step further.
1: Oh, you lie! You did not see this on the news. I did. Okay.
0: You can take it a step further. And you can have your, I am not joking about this. You're going to think I'm joking. You can have your friend lay under the bed and bounce it. As long as the two of you are not doing the movement.
1: And this is on college campuses, Mormon specifically. Mm -hmm.
0: So, I mean, Jamisa and I have a request of you. Uh, No. We're (laughs) going to try out some soaking and wonder if you can be the person. Wait a minute. And is it S -S 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 O A K? S O A K, like you're letting it soak. Yes, yeah, something
1: soak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, can
2: we? This is exactly the most that? ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> but the reason I bring it up, the reason I find this fascinating, is how religious groups create such unhealthy sexual practices around the idea of morality and sin that people, rather than kind of finding healthy ways to communicate about sex and making sure people are safe and meeting their needs well, we're focused on loopholes. Like, I don't think this loophole is making very many women happy. Uh, Yeah. I don't think there's many women out there who are like, yes, what I really want to have happen tonight is for some man to marinate inside me for a while. I'm
2: sorry, advertisers. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) The content you thought you were
0: signing up for. So anyway, when I heard this, it just made me think of like this insanity of like extreme religious views. And then how people try to like not develop healthy relationships, but try to work around these external rule systems. Um, I had a friend growing up, um, not growing up, but I have a friend now who talks about when she was growing up, like... Sex was outlawed, but nothing about oral sex was. And so that would be the thing. Like everyone would be giving each other oral sex. And you can have all the same dangers, all the same risks. But because they kind of quote unquote found a loophole. And so I think I bring this up to just remind people, talk about sex as a family. Talk about what's healthy. Talk about that this is your body. You get to enjoy it. And there's risks that need to be managed really well. Um, And there needs to be a lot of communication. And it just it reminded me of just the insanity of today's world, I think, of just, we don't do anything based on, like, pragmatical sense. <laughs> it's all based on this, like, other authority and how we respond to that authority. But anyway. Yeah,
1: that, how- I was going to say, because that's not even, like, I was thinking, is that, like, a more uh, uh, emotional type of, like, decision? Like, you're going to soak, like, we're... I don't, I guess it's, it's so convoluted. Right. And I think when you start and maybe it made me even think about like the classes that we offer with some of our people who are offenders and like, and you start to dive into like, where do they get these dissonance and things about sex? And it's just like these extreme things that they have are these, you know, extremely rigid rules around mm. sex. And it was never spoken about in the family um, about what is consent about healthy boundaries and yeah, I agree with you, Ben, a hundred percent. We have to do a better job at just normalizing—not even with kids, you that I mean? just in general. Like, she normalizing. agrees
0: with me one hundred percent.
1: That's the first. Mm-hmm. It really is. So, <laughs> right down somewhere
0: on this show, right? We talk about white people shit and about how to decenter to whiteness. Um, I went to a high school that had maybe 20, 25 percent Mormon, and it's an incredibly white faith because for a long time they wouldn't even let people of color into it um i think they do now but um and it just reminds me of this white people shit of having these extreme religious beliefs and rather than exchanging them for healthy views on sex and healthy communication and things like that um they get traded in for these kind of bizarre loopholes
2: mhm yeah mormons are like white platinum so like they're the premium package
0: the premium package mhm <laughs> Anyway, let's uh, let's keep this, this my gosh train moving. So yeah, a, think,
1: huh? should we
0: switch to some good news?
1: Sure. What you got?
0: None of that. But today <laughs> is the anniversary. There's a bunch of anniversaries this week of just some effed up stuff. Um, so you want to do a quick anniversary roundup for the week? Sure. All right. So we have a man. And his wife, back in the early 1900s, not his wife, sorry, it was an unidentified woman, because that's kind of a big part of the story, in Mississippi, um, they decided that they were going to murder them. Black man, black woman, the white community decided they were going to murder them. And so you know how white people do with the whole, like, we're going to have a picnic and turn this into a family event. Um, Oh, you mean like the
1: hanging uh, things mm -hmm. that they would have? Okay. Okay. So, give it some context.
0: Yeah. And so they tortured this black man and this black woman in front of all these white families and on this nice little Sunday outing for white people. And then they started cutting off the body parts and distributing them to the crowd. And you were considered lucky if you received one of those body parts. And the reason to me why this anniversary is so important is white people are so cowardly when it comes to learning our history. Like, this event comes up during Black History Month, but this is really like a white history event. This is how we've developed as a people. This was not one individual in town. This was like a common event for white people to get together to view the torture and lynching of the black community. Mm -hmm. It just goes downhill from here. Do you want to continue?
1: Oh, no, that's pretty gruesome.
0: Right. In yeah, that's a tough
1: start.
0: 1960, this week, was the anniversary um, of our fair state, Jamisa. I think you're familiar with this one. Mm-hmm. You want to continue?
1: Go ahead. It's the um,
0: the Orangeburg Orange Massacre.
1: Massacre.
0: When on the campus of the South Carolina State University. Did I hold the D for long enough, Jamisa? Yeah, you, you
1: okay. did
0: it. The you did it well. South Carolina State University. Um, there were some protests. Um, for people who don't know, this is a historically black college and university, and they were having some protests around civil rights. And so I believe it was nine white highway patrolmen mm-hmm. opened fire on a peaceful protest, killing three black college students and injuring 28.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the good news was, They charged all nine officers. The bad news is they later just dropped all the charges very quickly. Um, And they did arrest someone, but they arrested a Mr. Sellers, who happened to be on the campus this day, just peacefully protesting Mm -hmm. with one of the students.
1: I guess the Mr. Sellers was, for me.
0: He was the father (laughs) No, Bakari Sellers.
1: Uh, Mr. Sell, and you know, I told you about um, Mr. Sellers is also Ooh, a professor. Can you see you froze up? Oh, sorry, I don't know what to do. do
0: you were, gonna need you were it.
1: fine on my screen.
0: Oh, she was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead.
1: So, Mr. Sellers is also my professor at uh, University of South Carolina. Awesome.
0: The same one who got arrested.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, remember I told you that
0: I, I don't really listen. To many Clearly, of his stories.
1: Yeah, he was um he taught uh, African American history at the, the University of South Carolina.
0: Well, give us the inside scoop. What did he tell you about this day?
1: Kind of the same thing that you he he encouraged us to go and read about it, but he gave us his his take of it. Um just about being arrested, um being interrogated, um trying to explain himself about what, you know, he was on the campus. He wasn't even involved in. um and he's like just he was like, you know, just being. Uh, he didn't have any power, and he knew. He was like, there was a time he knew that no one could protect him. There was going to be anyone there that was going to be able to vouch for him, no matter who came up to the station. Like it didn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the father of Bakari Sellers, right? I'm not sure. Oh, I I read that somewhere. I, I hadn't seen it in many places, so that could be wrong. Let's not mm-hmm. push. And I,
1: and I, he I don't I. I wouldn't know if he's still at uh, USC, but I graduated in 99. So, yeah. But it's pretty awesome to to be in his class and to hear his his take of it.
0: Mm -hmm. At the time, did you kind of realize the significance of all that? I don't know. That's what's crazy to me is how recent all this is,
2: right? You had a professor who actually lived through this event. It was part of their life. And people want to be like, oh, that's just old history. We don't need to talk about that gruesome mm-hmm. event or that horrible whatever happened. It's like, that's not that long. People lived through it and are still here and are still dealing with whatever trauma that came with and are still trying to talk about it in a meaningful way.
0: Uh, so but, that's one of the biggest challenges I see with this. And I don't know how the two of you respond to it. But whenever I talk about this with white people, the first thing they say is, well, let's not bring up history.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think about the movie, The Titanic. And like MFers, you made a whole ass movie about the Titanic that happened before any of these events we're talking today Mm. happened, made everyone watch the damn movie, gave Oscars for how emotional it was. So white people love history when it makes them look good and heroic, but they have zero tolerance for any kind of history that challenges their narrative about themselves.
1: And I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's like, let, you know, let's try to forget it. But you have people who that's their life. That's their lived experience. Mm-hmm. Like, and they try to paint this picture, this canvas of like, like the both of you were saying, it's 100 years ago. And my mom, you know, can still give you countless stories about, you know, being afraid at night, um, you know, after they were kids and sharecropping and not knowing who these people were walking in the field behind their house who they knew were coming to harass and white people. And so these there are people here that can give their own personal accounts. And hell, we're talking about like 60 years ago. We could talk about, you know, five years ago yep. or yesterday when someone had these lived experiences.
0: To be fair, Jamisa, your mom was also around for the Last Supper. So I think we she need to do some context.
1: <laughs> she may have been.
0: But yeah, so white people, are like... I. I don't think they see this about themselves, right? So you'll be telling them about something that happened like in 1960. And they'll be like, that's so long ago. I'm like, hey, how do you feel about Pearl Harbor? Man, that was such an important event in American history. We shall never forget. I'm like, well, that happened before what I'm talking about. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. apparently that's important. Apparently 4th of July was so important that we have to celebrate it every year, despite it being 200 years ago. Right. So There's dissonance. I wish white people could address it. But there's also another important anniversary from 1960 that happened. I think it's today. Yeah, February 9th, which is, everyone familiar with the Little Rock Nine? Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, they went to the high school. Four years later, That were getting ready to graduate, and I guess they graduated early there. And so the youngest of the Little Rock Nine was at home with her mom, and um, they set off a bomb at her home right before her graduation. So this is kind of four years later after they've started attending the school, after they've matriculated to, after they survived all that, um, they then set off a bomb. But it gets worse from here. So they then arrest the dad and beat the hell out of the dad um, to get information about who set off the bomb. Like, I got a quick guess. And this is 60 years later. Um, and then they, they they then arrest two close family member friends who spend seven years in prison for it without any evidence. Wow. Until they eventually realize they have to release them, huh. and so I think we think of like things like the Little Rock Nine, and we're like, "Oh yeah," and then they went to school and lived happily ever ever after. We don't realize like the torment they received continued throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And like we talk about with Ruby Bridges, these people are still around. Yeah, like y'all go follow Ruby Bridges on social media. Um, I, I love seeing her content. I love seeing her discuss the things that happened to her. And I think we think about characters like Ruby Bridges as though they're part of history. If you ask somebody
1: if Ruby Bridges is still living, they'll be like, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, mean how are we doing with the sound quality so far? It sounds good, I think. How's it Mm -hmm. on your end? Who looks better, Jamisa? I'm kind of thinking my lighting is on point today. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Trial and error. Mm Mm-hmm. Jamisa got those government tiles on the ceiling behind her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that
1: my office is old.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice wooden door.
1: (laughs) That's all you got?
0: It is, it is. So those those were my news around whiteness and what I really wish white people could kind of learn. It's Black History Month, right? This is episode number two of our Black History Month series. And I just really wish white people would hold history that impacts the black community. And this impacts the white community. Like, it's not like it doesn't, it just doesn't show them in the light that they like to be seen. Right. Um. I wish they would hold that history as near and dear as they hold other aspects of their history.
1: So can we talk about, I have a new story. It's not about black history, but I do want to bring talk about a story um, that is not in the news. And maybe it was news to the people that um, had to be a witness to our meeting that Ben and I had a few weeks ago. Can we talk mm. about that, Ben? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So we had to attend a meeting at our son's school. We
0: and talked it was- about it on one, right? Right before we were going to attend it. Sorry for cutting you off.
1: Are you sorry?
0: We talked about it on one podcast right before we went to attend it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was uh, two podcasts ago. We were saying we had a meeting at our son's school. So after the podcast, we get there. So our son has two teachers, and then there were two other people that were also in the meeting. So it's four educators, and then Ben and I. Um, So one, the person who kind of like um, initiated this whole meeting is coming to talk to us about our kid. But the way that this white woman was speaking to us was, one, in a way as if we'd never attended a school meeting before. Um, Or we never
0: attended school before.
1: True. Yeah, she was speaking to us in that way. Um, But then also talking to our about our son in a way as if we don't know who he is. And so they just kind of explaining some things to him. And and Ben was quiet the entire time. And so she started saying, like, this is what we're, you know, what we want to talk to you about, blah, blah, blah. And Ben was like, wait a minute. And he then started to explain, like, hey, you may find these things to be a deficit. However, um, you know, there's layers to this. So we talked about ASD. We talked about, you know, how um, other family members that um, Ben's brother and uh, his father had similar ish types of concerns. Right. Um, know. And so as Ben is explaining this, the lady, it was obvious she was not listening to us. She had an agenda. And so she's cutting Ben off. Like as soon as Ben like finishes in it, she immediately like just jumps in. And it was it was annoying. So I a like, lady. Are you my wife? <laughs> and so Ben is like, hey, like, you are, like, cutting me off. I feel like you're not listening to me because you're immediately jumping in as soon as I stop talking. It's causing my anxiety to go up. He's like, and, you know, because our son and I are similar, I would imagine it will cause his anxiety to go up. And he may shut down if you're doing this. And he said it exactly like this. This chick starts crying. And Classic. not like... Like you know, t- like she is like face is like red. Like she can't even like you know bring up a sentence. Like she's just crying. And Ben looks at her and was like, "Are you crying right now?" And <laughs> like, and at that point, I agree with Ben. It's like this whole white centering occurs, and so now she's supposed to be you know facilitating this meeting, and now she's crying. And like this, this attention now moves over to her. And it's not about the reason why they called us there for our son. And that is pretty much what Ben said afterwards. He's like, you know, he's like, are you crying right now? Like, now we have got to take the attention off of our son and the reason why you called us here. And now we got to deal with you and your tears. And like, she just could not get herself together. Um, and Ben is, so she's still carrying on and Ben was like, so now we're supposed to be here for our, our black child and we got to deal with your white woman tears. <laughs> and so everybody else in the meeting is like, and they all were just like looking at her and he, Ben was like, I'm done. Like, what else are we going to talk about? If we, if this is the only thing we have to deal with is you crying. And I will give it to the other teachers, um, and then educators there, Like what this white lady was like, she just carried on with the meeting as if this woman isn't crying. Now, mind you, I mean, this is at the very beginning of an hour long meeting. This lady cried the entire time. Like she just cried the entire time. Like she's sobbing. She went to get some tissue, blew her nose, came back, closed her computer down. She didn't need to continue to be there. And she just sits there and she's just crying. She sounds like she's really
2: good at her job. It's not there. Hmm? She sounds like she's really good at her job.
1: I'm like, what the hell?
0: I want to give that, credit to the other teachers, though, because they really did just carry on. And that yeah. is not typical in these situations. What's more typical is the other white people in the space then shame you for not centering that white person's emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. But what I told Ben, and I really do believe this, that had it been me that said that, and then said, you know, we focusing all this attention now on you and your tears and not on my child. Oh, they would have stopped the meeting. And I, I really, truly believe that had it been me as a black woman that has said that to her and then challenge her on the fact that she did like she is now the center of attention, not our kid. Like they would have stopped the meeting and they would be like, you know what, we're going to reschedule this for another day. If not, had me mo- removed from the meeting and just let Ben stay there. And it's really, you know, and I, I I wholeheartedly believe that. And anybody else, you know, of um, color that think any differently, please let me know. Um, but here's how
0: my world, sorry, you didn't finish that thought. Go ahead. I, I'm like, here's how our world has to be these days to care for us during times like that, right? And I think this is something white people miss. So this is a story that if we share with Black friends, they are going to immediately be like, oh, I can't believe they taught you like that, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're going to be supportive, just like the Nazi flag incident. They're going to drop everything they have and be over there in a second to care for you, right? You share this story with white people, and first off, they're going to do is police you.
1: Mm-hmm. Why Well, why were y'all talking to her like that? Mm-hmm.
0: But the first, like, white people love this role of judge. And Jamisa and I, like, we see this all the time. We'll share a story with white people, and they like to then position themselves in the seat of the judge and start looking at the facts <laughs> mm-hmm. and be like, "Well, Jimmy, um, sir. So let's talk about the tone you used during this meet." Bitch, you are not the judge of my life. White people do this; they like to decide for themselves, and they think they have like this stronger grip on logic that they don't. They're just as emotional, if not more emotional, mm-hmm. than any other human. And so they do this all the time. Like you share a story with white people. And they decide if they're going to believe it or not. Now, Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, if it's an experience they can relate to through their whiteness, they'll co-sign off on you. But because they don't have these lived experiences, they start guessing them. So whether it's about Jamisa getting higher interest offers on car loans than me when we go in separately, whether it's about the the way people um, respond to Jamisa running a business versus me running a business, white people love to put themselves in this position of judge and jury And be like, um, well, what about this? And uh, what about this? And it drives me effing insane. Hey, we like to say effing Amin. I'm trying to change my language now that we're on this new platform.
2: You literally just said bitch. Did I? You did.
0: Uh, Was I referring to Amin?
2: Probably. Usually.
0: All right. It's a very toxic work environment. (laughs) Kathy's very busy in the HR department. Um. Hey, I, I could use more coffee. Is that allowed?
1: No, you yeah. can't walk away to, to make yourself a cup of coffee.
0: I didn't know if you were going to share a story and then I'd have time, you know? I guess not. That, no. uh, that doesn't no. happen on live TV. No. Mm-mm.
2: Especially with the story that I'm going to bring up, which was Jay-Z <laughs> at the Grammys. You've been waiting. Is this the one you wanted to talk about? No. What you, happened? Like, what was the big deal? So Jay-Z came on the stage and he was pretty much uh, advocating for Beyonce and talking about how the Grammys, yeah, they have some value and all this kind of stuff, but tell, tell me how it makes sense that Beyonce has the most Grammys of anybody, but has never won album of the year. He was like, that doesn't add up. And the way he presented everything. It was like, sorry, uh, when I get nervous, I tell the truth (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. And it was was interesting. Which is one of the best
0: autism quotes of all time, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what was interesting was for the first time that at least fans like me have noticed, uh, Jay-Z did look very nervous before going up to speak and and speaking in front of this historically white institution that has so much power over the music industry, because I think he knew that even him in his super prominent position to speak out against the Grammys while being on the board, while while being, you know, the, the successful billionaire that he is, he was still putting a lot at risk as far as his uh, music credentials with them, I guess.
0: This is mm-hmm. so multi-layered, right? Because I saw some great mm-hmm. critiques of him. And then I mm-hmm. saw some critiques, those critiques, like one of the questions was, of all people who disrespects Beyonce, Jay-Z might be the biggest perpetrator. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair critique. <laughs> and like, so I saw some people kind of saying like, doing impressions of Jay-Z, like, how dare you disrespect my wife? That's my job to do that publicly. Um, mm-hmm. And things like that, which, which is fair, right? But yeah. then I um, also see, saw some people saying this is just similar to what Kanye did. Like Taylor is having mm-hmm. this night and someone's seeking to upend it. And then I wonder how much white centering is involved in that. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think my, my take on it also is like, it's y'all like, do y'all not see like all the other things that's happening in the world? Like you could go on that platform and talk about so much things, right. For people to be aware of. And I get it. Like it's Beyonce definitely should have album of the year.
0: Over mm-hmm. you know so
1: many other people, but Do you like, know who won it? Capitalism, like y'all are billionaires. For me say so. huh?
0: Do you know who won it this year? Mm-hmm. No. Taylor oh, Swift? it was Killer Mike, wasn't it? No, he got Best Rap Album
2: uh, of the Year. Oh, hell we'll I we'll talk who about Killer
0: Mike it? in a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was interesting too. But um, yeah, Taylor Swift got Album of the Year.
0: Yeah, in general.
1: I, again, that's mm-hmm. my my point, right? Because I didn't
0: even know who won it, and I thought that was interesting. Like, I yeah. um, I wasn't sure who had won it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's like, but it's one billionaire winning versus another billionaire winning, talking to other billionaires mm-hmm. about how my wife should win. And it's like, come on, y'all. Like,
0: but isn't this the epitome of, like, white
1: capitalism? Yes, like, it is. That's my these, point. Like, why? And, these, these, not that, and I think it's an interesting story, I, I, like you said, I, I, with all the layers <laughs> to it. However, it's like, it's a bunch of people with a shit ton of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who need to be celebrated just one more night because they don't come to get a
1: see one more little award to put on their shelf, you know, in their mm-hmm. office.
0: So, Killer Mike apparently, <clears throat> disclaimer, he's probably um, one of our favorites on the show. I think all three of us have a deep yeah. appreciation for Killer Mike. Um, his album was amazing. He and his team apparently were trying to get into the Grammys, couldn't find the right entrance, and were in a hurry. And a female security guard got knocked over by Killer Mike, I believe, allegedly. And so it was a misdemeanor offense. And they mm-hmm. decided to arrest him after he won his three awards. And Yeah, escorting
1: him out. him out the building, right? hmm
0: And so from a from the focus of the show, it's so reminiscent, right? Of how when black people have a positive night, white people think of like how to mess with it. Mm-hmm. And that if it was a white person, they might wait it. Um, to, to, you know, just kind of charge him with it afterwards and tell him to show up to court in a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But with black people, they kind of make it this public event. But then you also remember with Will Smith, they did wait till after the event and mm-hmm. got criticized for that too. So I think mm-hmm. there's kind of an interesting complexity to it. I just like Killer Mike way more than <laughs> I'm ever going to like Will Smith. So. um, But anyway, just love Run the Jewels. So, Amin, um, Jamisa, sorry, before the show, Amin was wanting to talk to me about something, but he kept pulling himself back to hold off. Is now the time, Amin? I feel like now there's so much pressure and it's not that interesting. And it's not even related to any subject we've
2: talked about today. Oh, wow. um, The introduction of the blue card in international soccer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, my
2: God. What What the the hell
0: is a blue card?
2: um so instead of so for those that don't know in soccer uh if if a foul is quite egregious you could get a red card that will send you off the pitch and if it's kind of like a medium sized foul you'll you'll get a yellow card that will warn you hey don't do that again buddy and so the blue card is kind of somewhere in between where if if you're kind of acting a fool and kind of fouling people but it's not that bad they'll send you off for 10 minutes and so they idea. Uh, it kind of yeah it's a timeout yep. and so, so the soccer two yellows
0: kind of- equal a red so how does the <laughs> blue card work into the math of it all i think they've already
2: shut it down and so it was it was at least uh published yesterday and the whole soccer world current and ex-players and coaches it, all were just like this is the worst idea we've ever seen or whatever and this morning they were like yeah maybe not maybe we won't do
0: that so i would like I, they should have a card, though, that's above red, I think. I think they went the wrong direction with that. Like, a card <laughs> where you're immediately... Doesn't from... red
1: expel you from the game?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. But like you, Like It's like the go-to-tell, you're not
1: spell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Automatic five-game suspension. Because especially for tournament play...
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Is it you're... that extreme in terms of, like, the, the fouls?
0: Well, not sometimes. just that, but, like, so let's say you're in the quarterfinals. And you, then you get a red card, so you're out for the semifinal, but you can be back for the final. Where, anyway, I mean, we're getting too bogged down. <laughs> eyes glazed over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Sorry, Jimmy. But but back to your stories now. That All right. My next story
1: hard. is um, the congressional hearings that went on. I want to say yesterday with large um, pharmaceutical companies. Um, or executives of, um, let's say, Bristol-Myers, Johnson-Johnson, and Merck, and they were on, they were, um, they had congressional hearings because of the amount of money that U.S. citizens have to spend for their medication. Did you guys know that some people have to do GoFundMe accounts to be able to pay for their prescriptions? Yep. is that wild?
0: Misa, GoFundMe is like the biggest health insurer right now.
1: I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have good
0: for their medical bills, their prescriptions.
1: Like I had Give no idea. been
0: one of the most whitest things you've said on the show today. Sorry.
1: Anyway, so Merck has a cancer drug, right? No, no no, 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 no,
0: no. We, we need to back up a no, little bit. Why? You really said, do you no, know it's not a white that thing. some people it's struggle like to pay old their health care bills?
1: Yeah, I know that. I did not. I know people have GoFundMe for those. Things they are not
0: going to let you show up to the cookout this weekend.
1: Whatever. Anyways, um, one of the can- a cancer drug that Merck makes costs a hundred thousand dollars more in the U.S. than it does in France. Like what the hell? Um, a blood thinner made by Bristol-Myers costs 10 times more in the U.S. than it does in Germany. Johnson & Johnson has an arthritis drug that costs five times more in the U.S. than it does in Japan. So the these companies' uh, argument is that, well, the U.S. can get it faster than, like, Germany or Japan. So, you know, we just have to pay more for it as a result. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And then, so the... Um, Bernie Sanders is one of the people that was um, leading this particular meeting. And I guess his folks pulled out receipts and was like, yeah, but the life expectancy for these other countries far exceed us here in the United States. So though they may get the, the medication several months or um, you know, after we do. But they do you hear the insanity
0: that? of that sentence too, that we just calmly talk about that? That the life expectancy in other countries far exceeds. Oh,
1: no, it's, it, it, it's <laughs> terrible. All of it. But it's like, but it all, as far as it all is like interconnected, is it not? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, it's just insane. Like, there's so many insane layers to this conversation that we just accept as a cost of living. So, like, I was listening to this lady who moved out of America for a while for similar reasons that you and I are thinking about it, Jamisa. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just didn't realize how much we accept in America without questioning it. She's like, for example, that I'm going to work myself to death. Or <laughs> li- and,
1: and, and literally, right? Or that
0: I have to worry about paying for healthcare, you know, in addition to just living life, that I have to worry about healthcare bills could destroy all my savings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's like, so we just co sign on this stuff in America. And we never step back and question it. So, as I heard you talking, and like that wasn't even the point of your story, right? But right. Yet right. Be casually, yeah, you know, because life expectancy and what everyone says is the greatest country on earth is lower than other countries.
1: And I think the audacity of them to even justify, like, oh, well, you know, you guys just pay a bit more because, like, you know, you're the first one to get dibs at it. It's like, like, we should be happy about that. So, uh, Bernie Sanders people had pulled up yesterday, um, I guess, on GoFundMe, how many people had accounts specific for the medication that they prescribe or they make? 500. GoFundMe accounts specifically for those three meds that I just talked about from those companies.
0: So, GoFundMe, I,
1: read,
0: I think I read this somewhere, it's like the third – Biggest funding stream for medical bills
1: mm-hmm.
0: in America. Crazyness. Anyway, I, I can't get caught up in that stuff Jimmy, me so, because I'm going to just spend all day. It like it is insane to me how much money is made through the healthcare system. Yes. And just no, how we, we allow we people about to eat that. But, and to suffer.
1: It, but it's all the things that we talk about, right? Is the, the, the dismantling of it's this narcissism? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This lack of empathy, this lack of concern,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just everything that we label under white people shit.
1: Exactly. It's just capitalism. Like you are making these, these companies make, bill, I mean, these are multi-billionaires, right? Mm-hmm. Just, and probably off of one, you know, drug, not even multiple that Johnson & Johnson or these other companies, mm-hmm. you know, they own. I mean, I feel like you're going to say something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this kind of informed all my major life decisions in the past few years, just in general. And I think the- You wanted to do
0: that big decision you made for people who may not know your story?
2: Yeah, so uh, I was in medical school, I'd finished my first uh, board exam. And so I started shadowing doctors very often to, you know, because- I was fortunate enough to score in, in a way that I could have chosen really any specialty to go into. and started shadowing doctors and the way they, they talked about this stuff was crazy to me, even the ones that seemed to be kinder hearted. So I'll never forget while I was thinking about all this kind of stuff, there was a tweet that went viral in the medical world where this doctor was saying, yeah, a heartbreaking story today. A patient asked me which of their medications was most important. And I told them all of them. That's why they're prescribed why are you asking this? And the patient told me, I can only afford one of them. So which one Mm -hmm. should I pay for? And, and the doctor was saying, and it's so heartbreaking to be in our profession to see stuff like this, whatever. And this thing had like 50,000 retweets, all these physicians in the comments, like I feel your pain. It's so hard being us all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, it's hard for the patient. And how are you a victim of that? Mm-hmm. and look at how many physicians are here imagine they all said hey okay we're not going to prescribe this shit anymore right it, it would have shut down the, the industry is already understaffed the whole industry it would have been overnight fixed and it would have been done but they would never sacrifice their own comfort to to help alleviate the discomfort of somebody else and so for me to be in a field where everyone's like oh i want to be a good person but also i, I want to make all this money at the expense of other people it, it couldn't coexist. So in my head, it was like, okay, so either I make money and and then give back however I can separately, or I'll just help people directly, uh, whatever that looks like. But I can't be in this field where everyone pats themselves on the back and you're curing, well, you're not even curing half the time, but you're helping alleviate some physical symptoms and adding on all this mental stress (laughs) symptom that can (laughs) increase the likelihood of more physical symptoms in the future. Um, So yeah, I just fell out of love with it so fast.
1: Exactly.
0: Jamisa, doesn't that remind you of when we've had white friends talk about how difficult it was for them to watch Black people get abused during the civil rights mm-hmm. era? Mm-hmm. Like, you know who that was probably worse for, buddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah, like it white was- centering. Like, it's so difficult to watch the suffering of other people. It's really traumatic for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember I've had clients who would talk about prescriptions and... um I remember one person was telling me how they got a prescription for their doctor and they were, he- they were in session. They're just upset because they couldn't afford this medication. Right. Like through, after the you know insurance and copay, it was incredibly expensive. Most people probably could not, your average person is not going to be able to afford this every month. So the doc, then they went back to the doctor and was like, Hey, like I'm really struggling. Like I can't afford this. And a doctor, and I think they called their insurance company, And said, hey, how can we, what can we do? And they're like, oh, we got to move it down to tiers. And he's like, how would I get it from a tier one to a tier four? And they're like, oh, just tell your doctor to write a note. doctor writes a note about why this medication is important and they need to have this particular brand, sends it to the insurance company. So this goes from like $200 a month to $15. Like, what the hell? And it's like, just because this person wrote a note to say you really need these meds at the insurance company, it's like, all right, Mm -hmm. We'll drop it down.
0: Yep. I think that medical stuff. So next season, um, one of the people I'm thinking of having come on the show is a black um, doctor Mm -hmm. um, in the medical field. Not one of those doctors who can't do surgery, but one of the doctors who can Um, (laughs) MD versus PhD. Um, So anyway, I'm really interested in their take on this. And this might be a good time to talk about the next season. As we switch over to this kind of video podcast style, one of the things we're thinking of doing is having a guest on each show next season that really reflects white people shit. So someone from the music recording industry, um, a couple of different people from the therapy and literature therapy community, and people from the medical field. And so if you represent a field um, that really gets impacted by white people shit like any field basically in America – um reach out to us let us know if you'd like to come on during the next season and discuss that as we start to build out i make i make it sound right like the with that plan they i'm
1: with that organized maybe,
0: babe uh, next season we're getting a bit more organized just so that guests don't feel messed around um so i
1: mean i want to ask you about ah, oh my goodness well i'm going to forget so how now that you have you made that decision to leave the medical field Um, how do you feel about that, the decision that you made?
2: I'm still, I'm always re-comforted by stories, kind of like what you just were talking about, where Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like I wasn't wrong for feeling the way that I felt about these situations and all this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously there's always going to be the part that's like, well, could you have done more from within? And I feel like, no, but at the same time, it's impossible for me to know for sure at this point. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, it's an interesting emotion to deal with. I I don't think I really struggle with that one that much, though, because I'll see something like this. I don't know. My whole whole background prior to medical school is in research. And something that used to drive me crazy specifically was insulin prices not being regulated. And so Mm -hmm. in America, they're like, oh, we have uh, a capitalist society and, you know, and we don't allow monopolies and we don't do all these things. Well, the funny thing about medicine, it's all monopolized. Right. And so with insulin, uh, you you can create infinite amount of insulin with one Petri dish because they replicate within bacteria that replicates infinitely. And so when insulin prices started getting off the charts and were not regulated, it just is one of those things that makes no sense. If you have an infinite supply of something in in American economics, that means it should be a very cheap commodity. Mm -hmm. Yet insulin prices were getting over 200 per dose. And people weren't able to do it and they were buying it from the black market and giving themselves whatever medical issues come from unregulated uh, medications. And so, yeah, it's I guess the long story, less long. I do feel comfortable in my decisions still. Uh, but, you know, thoughts, thoughts happen.
0: <laughs> so don't you think that's like capitalism in a nutshell, though? Like we talk about all the virtues of capitalism, but we don't talk about how it practically rolls out in America. Mm-hmm. And so ideally, we would talk about supply and demand and all that kind of stuff. The practicality Mm -hmm. of it is it gets monopolized and really used to harm people.
2: Exactly. Like even the cancer thing, I haven't looked into it specifically what you're talking about, but I'm assuming one company makes it. So they're like, we can charge 100,000 more. What are Mm -hmm. they going to do? They have cancer. They have to buy it, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's nothing to regulate against that. Whereas even in Europe, I I think the regulations are much more... uh, you know, standardized.
1: I, I, this may be controversial. I don't know. And you may have opinions about it, but you know, I've even started researching um, just alternatives to prescribed medications Mm -hmm. and looking at um, you know, what are some other things that I personally can take nothing that I would suggest or can't suggest anyways in, Mm -hmm. in my practice. But for me, like what are, you know, if I'm having to take, Something that's prescribed by a doctor. Is there any way for me to um, get something that would be an alternative that's still a bit more natural? And because, and I've I've gone to doctors, several different doctors about different things. Like, hey, what what if I do an alternative and I take this supplement over what you're prescribing? And it's always no. Mm -hmm.
0: Sorry for Cosmo's heavy breathing.
1: (laughs) Oh, Kazi.
2: But yeah, it's very not white to find. I think natural medicine right? And so in America, they won't even entertain the they idea. said either. not what? It, It's very not white. Ah. <laughs> so the, yeah, I remember uh, we have a bunch of natural remedies that we do, you know, that's, that have been passed along in my Algerian family. And a lot of them, at least as far as we know, they definitely work in some degree. And But when we bring it up to the doctor, they're like, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe it works, but probably there's so much shame associated even with bringing it up, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. be the person that's like, Oh, I don't want to try that first, uh, and they'll shame you and be like, "Well, you're you're not as educated as I am." And here's this, even mm-hmm. though if you look into their research, their medications barely ever outperform the placebo in a lot of cases. So, and, yeah, it's
1: which is so crazy to me about even that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this next season. Like, but the like the different, and I'm sure you've done research, so you clearly have mm-hmm. way more information on this about than I do. Indeed, but I do. Up, medication and like placebo effect like that is was crazy to me like they've even done i've saw studies where they did placebo effects with like um i think it was like blood pressure or like mm-hmm. some other kind of medication and they work
0: yep, yep. literally this so thing. we need to keep an eye on the time because we're not going to be <laughs> editing as heavily anymore um so what is your take on this how do white people stop centering themselves we did an episode on decentering. We're, we're kind of back at this point. What is our advice to white people during Black History Month?
1: For what? Um, for what? Not centering themselves in the middle Just of it, these news
0: stories. What do they tell us about what white people need to do differently? Sorry for all the cosmos noise.
1: Oh, we can't hear, Kazi.
0: Oh, look at that! These microphones are working.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like. I said this uh, to someone that was asking me a similar question last week. And I think it's to to listen and to stop talking so much. Just shut up and listen.
0: So hear people talking about the news in this way and don't play the judge. Mm-hmm. Don't determine that you're the one who has access to the truth. Yeah. I commented this on social media and this white guy is like, well, I meet every person I meet like that. It's like. MF, it you're doing it right now and you don't. <laughs> like we're trying I, to I tell you you don't do that.
1: But people think that they are, because I think to to be quiet and to listen or to ask a question, please, you know, if you're curious, ask, but then just listen and not provide your own take and like, oh yeah, I remember when this happened to me. It didn't, because we're we're talking about two totally different things. It's like if I said that um someone um I don't know, was following me around in the store or whatever, in some store. And a white person like, oh yeah, they did the same thing to me. Probably for two different reasons though.
0: said that was part of my courting ritual.
1: (laughs) You just follow
0: (laughs) follow a random white
1: person around in the store. Mm -hmm.
0: It seemed to have worked.
1: Mm -hmm. It wasn't me though. It must be another black woman.
0: Oh dear, I always get them confused.
1: (laughs) What is wrong with you?
0: <laughs> um, so that's our advice for this week. White people stop talking.
1: Just listen. Mm-hmm.
0: I did a post on that yesterday where I just said maybe we could get a, a month where um, us white people are banned from all media, social media, TV, and we just see how it changes the narrative for that month. We see how it changes or oh, even someone posing the idea of it just enraged white people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think and and maybe in addition to listening. It's not feeling as though you're always under attack. Yeah. I'm just dumb. because a black person says, yes, I don't like when white people do that. We're not attacking you specifically. Nope. just You're not under attack. Mm-hmm. You're still a, the majority, in this, in, at least in the United States, in terms of like getting shit For done, now. doing what you want. Huh? For now. For now. So you're not being attacked.
0: And white people think other people are as, as heinous as them. So they worry... That when they become the minority, that they're ah, treated as badly as they treated everyone else. I
1: didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the big fear. You think right?
1: that's the fear? Mm-hmm. Huh? Like, look at the stories we Will told. You stand today. ten toes down on that. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Did you say, "Am I standing ten toes on that?" I am standing mm-hmm. on business, Jimmy Smollettly.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm so you... playing it with my full chest
1: you saying it with your chest. They're scared.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What do you think of me?
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. Even the way they talk about immigration, right? It's always, uh, you know, they're trying to take over, right? They're going to change everything as we know it. All this kind of stuff. When in reality, their day-to-day life is not affected. So yeah, they're always in that fight or flight mode.
1: You know, speaking of immigration, like what is happening in, in Texas at the border? Let's let's let me let's guess. Not, Nothing. Not nothing's way. happening. What?
0: Jamisa, let's save that for another episode.
1: But can I just say that nothing's happened?
0: Mm-hmm. There you all go. the
1: hoopla, all mm-hmm. of the like we're driving down to, to Texas.
0: Nothing's it's like happened. it's a it's an emergency, but it can wait till after the but, election. But guys, but guys, guys,
2: guys, one illegal immigrant. Tried to punch an officer in New York City, so it, this is getting
0: pretty unprecedented. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is crazy Oh, one other thing, white people for the month of February, and especially on mine and Jamisa's social media posts, stop talking about black on black crime. Just stop, <laughs> my lord, anyway, so we hope you enjoyed this new approach to the Ben and Jamisa less I Amin mean, podcast and uh, join jamesa's now on social media at simply Jamisa on instagram you can follow ben the curious on instagram or curious ben on tiktok and now on youtube at ben and Jamisa.
1: my backdrop needs to be better I Amin mean, has his nice little chair and <laughs> wall art i do have my yeah. picture my poor little plants on my wall
0: so thank you for joining us everyone and we look forward to seeing you next week
1: see ya